The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito, Benito, AJ Olson 11, Cube Dude, Bogus Lotus, Doomerzan782, and Jude Hanlon. Victor, thank you so much for hitting us with that spooky Halloween-themed jingle. That was pretty good, eh, Mike? That was pretty good, Neil, and we are live. I see those Halloween... We got an orange live now sign today. Nice, nice. Getting right into the spirit of things. And let's dive into the spirit of Halloween with an opening topic Halloween-themed. Mike, Friday the 13th, the franchise. Let's actually dive deep into this franchise and find out which of these films came out on Friday the 13th. Are you ready for that? I am. I th- I had this thought the other day when I was thinking about Friday the 13th and thinking about Halloween as mm. one does in, in the spirit of the season. And I was like, I sure. wonder how many have actually come out on Friday the 13th. Because you know, there's at least one a year, I think, in terms of like, not movies, <laughs> but uh, uh, there's at least one Friday the 13th a year, I believe. Yep. On average, on average, yeah. So they yeah. didn't hit it every year. I'll run through the schedule a mm. little bit. So the first one, Friday the 13th, came out on May 9th, 1980, not the 13th. <sighs> Friday the 13th, part two, May 1st. Nope. Friday the 13th, part three, August 13th, 1982. That was indeed a Friday. Finally. And the 13th. Friday the 13th, the final chapter, April 13th, and that was also a Friday. So we have two. Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. A New Beginning, came out on March 22nd, 1985, so yeah. that's a no-go there. March. Friday the 13th, Jason Lives, August 1st, so not the 13th. Mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, The New Blood, May 13th, 1988, that was indeed a Friday, so that's three. Friday the 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan, July 28th. That's like <laughs> a, right in the middle of summer, man. <laughs> uh, that's also, also a great title. I actually didn't know that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to check that one out. I don't think I've seen that one. But then, next we had Jason Goes to Hell, uh, the final Friday. This was the last one, Mike, on August 13th, 1993, the year you and I were both born. That was indeed a Friday, the fourth Good. one. Good. Jason X, April 26th. 2002 not the 13th but my favorite one yeah that's a good one (laughs) freddy versus jason we're going to count that one here august 15th so not a 13th and then friday the 13th came out on february 13th 2009 that was indeed a friday just in time for valentine's day in 2009 (laughs) you can go and check out friday the 13th so all in all we had five friday the 13th movies actually came out on friday the 13th that really surprises me. And actually, I think what surprises me the most of this list is the fact that none of them were in September or October. I know. They're all summer <laughs> movies for the most part. I remember reading yeah. about that, though, that a lot of scary movies come out in the summer just because by the time October finally rolls around, people are actually tired of Halloween because we just we have it in like it's in the media. It's it's uh, it's in the stores. Sure. So by the time Halloween actually rolls around, people are pretty fed up with it and getting into Christmas mode. So also crazy for me is that it's been 13 years since the last Friday the 13th movie. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, those movies were were 
pretty successful, I I think. You know, it's pretty embedded mm-hmm. in the culture. Uh, and I like Freddy vs. Jason. We, we actually talked about that on the podcast as an opening topic uh, quite a while back. And that was fun to uh, to review that movie. But yeah, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Friday the 13th in 2023 will get a new Jason movie. Maybe. We've seen a Freddy movie, a Nightmare on Elm Street, in the last few years. It was in the 2010s. Didn't do very well. The Jason movies, for the most part, people like the ones from the early 80s till about 85. The first four or so are considered the best ones. And then the ones in the 2000s did okay. But it's really those early 80s ones that did the best. But Mike, are there any uh, any good Halloween movies that you're checking out this year before uh, before the big day on the 31st? Well, of course, we're we're having Halloween Ends, the 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 the, the last movie of the trilogy for Halloween, mm. the the movie, uh, and uh, Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis doing her final 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 role mm. okay. uh, <laughs> in it. So I don't know who knows what's going to go on with that. Uh, the first one I saw the first edition of that trilogy that was actually quite good. I haven't seen the second one, and I maybe we'll see the third one. Uh, other than that, I don't know what other Halloween movies come out. I like to watch, so me and my friends, um, friends of the show, Ramon and Harrison, actually, mm-hmm. uh, we enjoy every year watching a Purge movie. And oh, that's just become the new tradition because they're not good movies, uh, <laughs> but uh, they're fun to watch with friends. And we like trying to hypothesize what we would do sure. during the Purge. Personally, for me, I would think I, I, I'd commit massive tax and insurance fraud. <laughs> That's the day to do it. You just have to avoid getting killed. That's the only problem. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Well, I think I would, you know, find a, a safe space and maybe find a group of like-minded individuals who also want to commit tax and insurance fraud during mm. the purge and, you know, do it all together, I think, as a little community. Just find a nice island somewhere. I don't, I yeah. actually haven't ever seen any of those movies. Maybe I'll check one of them out sometime soon. I don't know why it's so hard to avoid being killed, but I guess they go into that more in the movie. I just checked out Hocus Pocus 2. That's a fantastic film. Obviously, Hocus really? Pocus. Yeah. That's the, very surprising. It, it, I mean, it's good. Like, temper your expectations a little no, bit. No, still, that's, you know, to, for you to say anything other than it being trash is very surprising. It really does feel like a movie that should have come out in, like, 1995, 96, because the original one is t- 1993. It's 29 yeah. years old. So, yeah. I mean, other than people having a little bit of modern tech, they kept, like, the cell phones to a minimum, which was nice, but it really did feel like a movie from the 90s, and the characters were all still really good. You know, you got Bette Midler in there, and everybody came back, so that was nice. I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. There's no Steven Tyler in that movie, though, which was shocking, because (laughs) all the memes that I've seen, you would really think Steven Tyler was in the original Hocus Pocus. He does fit right in there with those witches, (laughs) and maybe he'll be in The Witches. Uh, I'm going to watch that, actually. That's, there, there you go, that's a Halloween movie. I'm watching The Witches, the original one, and I'm watching The New Witches, which I've never seen before, which apparently isn't that good, but I will judge for myself. Yeah, horror movies are pretty hit and miss for the most part, but I recommend Hocus Pocus and one of these Friday the 13th films. But Mike, Babar, I need to t- I need to switch gears now, <laughs> radically, to something that's, non-Halloween. That's a radical switch. <laughs> radical switch over to Babar. You put this topic in here, and that is Babar. Yeah. When did he seize the means of production, and when will the revolution occur? What do you mean by this? Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to go into deep philosophical thought here today, just maybe mm. a little, little think tank going on. Uh, I was watching Babar the other day, as you do, right. when you're 29 years old, sure. and, uh, and uh, it's 2022. Uh, and <laughs> I was thinking to myself, wow, th- Babar is a dictator. He's just a full-out <laughs> dictator. He's, he's a king, I believe. Uh, I looked up a bit of his origin story. It seemed like there was a king before. The mm. king mysteriously died. And then Babar was like, I guess I'll be the king now. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, so weird, weird move there. 
and watching episodes. He has advisors, it seems. It oh. seems like he has some kind of council, some kind of court. Okay. Maybe a parliament that he's supposed to uh, rep, uh, you know, work with and they represent him. But mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't seem to take any advice from his ministers. And oh. uh, he seems to rule with an iron fist, although a benevolent dictator. Okay. I, I'm trying to remember the show now because that is a very hazy memory of a show for me. Is it British or is it supposed to be Russian? What, what's the nationality? It's British. British. It's British. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my mind, he's Russian. I don't know why that is. <laughs> <laughs> he's an oligarch. <laughs> I would like to see Babar come back in the modern age. I think we need to see a, a live action Babar starring Kevin Hart and uh, Chris Pratt, I suppose. It'd probably be the casting of that. But it's just, Are you just saying two people who get casted in everything? Yes. That, that's pretty. <laughs> and The Rock, of course, would be Babar. Yes. That is how that would end up being, I'm sure. I like that, yeah. But, you know, listeners out there, if you know anything more about Babar and how he sees the means of production uh, from the uh, uh, the people of the nation, I'm not sure what nation he rules. I forget what that is. But uh, if you know anything, let me know. Uh, drop us a line because I'd like to talk more about Babar. That'll be our next podcast. Babar was cool. Yeah, we're going to go through every single episode of Babar. I'm glad that you're enjoying that. Life can only be going well if you're uh, binging Babar in 2022. But <laughs> anyway, moving on to some uh, listener inquiries and uh, opening topics. We do have a correction here. Uh, I said Kayak was the moderator for the Mario Superstar Baseball episode. It was actually the Fantasy Star Online mod. Little Coax uh, was the mod for the Mario Superstar Baseball. So I apologize for that error there. I can't can't keep track of all these moderators. They're, they're all doing such a great job. Can't keep them straight. But we do have a Patreon topic today, Mike, which is very exciting. It's been a little while since we've had one of those. Listeners, remember... Babar? Sorry? Is it about Babar? No, it is not about Babar. Shockingly, I'm, I'm sure sometime in November we'll get one of those. But no, listeners, remember, if you want to write into the show and submit an opening topic like Babar, uh, you can do so by supporting us on Patreon at the $5 level. You get your name read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic, just like Irabelle did today. Irabelle says, here is my opening topic submission for the month of October. My submission for the month is going to be a fun, simple, and easy one. It's for you guys to sing the whole poker rap. Can't wait to hear it. Now, Mike, are you are you ready to do the uh, the entire poke rap? What one do you take. think? One take. <laughs> we have producer Marty in the house as oh, well, Neil. Great. Uh, he's going to help us out because mm, you know okay. we can't do this on our own. But uh, I no. think are you ready? Are you ready, Neil? I'm I'm totally ready, Mike. This is definitely going to be the cringiest thing we've ever done. Okay, Marty, hit the music. Hit the music, Marty. Want to be the best there ever was? To beat all the rest? Yeah, that's my cause. Electro, Diglett, Nidoran, Menke, Venusaur, Rattata, Fero, Pidgey, Sea King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Ghastly, Ponyta, Vaporeon, Polyrath, Butterfree. Catch em, catch em, gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all, Pokemon. Cross the land, look far and wide. Release from my hands the power that's inside. Venomoth, Poliwag, Nidorino, Golduck, Ivasaur, Grimer, Victory Bell, Moltres, Nidoking, Farfetch, Abra, Jigglypuff, Kingler, Ryan. Horn Cabable, Wigglytuff. Catch him, catch him, gotta catch him all. Gotta catch him all. Pokemon! Zubat, Primate, Meowth, Onyx, Geodude, Rapitash, Magneton, Snorlax, Gangar, Tangla, Gildeen, Zero, Weak, Sing, Swole, Go. Slowbro! Catch him all, gotta catch him all. Gotta catch him all, gotta catch him all. Yeah. Gotta catch him all, Pokemon. Ow! Kabuto, Persian, Paris, Horsey, Raticate, Magnemite, Kadabra, Weeping Bell, Ditto, Cloyster, Caterpie, Sandshrew, Bulbasaur, Charmander, Goldum, Pikachu! At least 150 or more to see. To be a Pokemon master is my destiny. Alakazam, Dodrio, Venonat, Macho, Kangasong, Hypno, Electrobuzz, Flareon, Blastoise, Poliwhirl, Oddish, Drowsy, Raichu, Nidoqueen, Bellstout, Starmie! 
Well, we're at the halfway point doing great so far. We? What's all this we stuff? I'm the one doing all the hard work. Break time's over. Here we go. Metapod, Marowak, Kakuna, Clefairy, Dodrio, Seedra, Vioplume, Krabby, Lickitung, Tauros, Weedle, Nidoran, Matchup, Shelder, Porygon, Nickmontra. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Yeah. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Yeah. Nidorina, Beedrill, Hunter, Squirtle, Chansey, Pokemon, Parasect, Execute, Mep, Dugong, Pidgeotto, Lapras, Volipix, Phaidon. At least 150! I'm born to see, to be a Pokemon master is my destiny. Charizard, Matchamp, Pitzer, Coughing, Dotrio, Golbat, Staryu, Magikarp, Ninetales, Atkins, Omnistar, Scyther, Tentacle, Dragonite, Magmar! Oh, catch your breath, man! Shake out those lips! It's downhill from here, Mike. Only 24 more to go. Now it gets tricky, so listen real good. Sandslash, Hitmonlee, Psyduck, Arcanine, Eevee, Executor, Kabutop, Zapdos, Stratini, Growlite, Bistermime, Cubone, Graveler, Voltorb, Gloom! We're almost home! Gotta catch them all. Yeah. Gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all. Yeah. Oh, Pokemon! Yeah. War Turtle, Mewtwo, Tentacruel, Aerodactyl, Armor Knight, Slowpoke, Pidgeot, Arbok, that's, that's all, all folks. folks. Catch em, catch em, gotta, gotta catch em all. all. Gotta catch em all, Pokemon. Catch em, catch em, gotta catch em all. Gotta catch em all, Pokemon. Catch em, catch em, gotta catch em all. Gotta catch em all, Pokemon! Wow, that was, that was incredible, Mike. Holy cow. Oh wow! You know I'm I'm sweating from that. I got beads of sweat here. You've it's, got uh... beads of sweat. I was doing all the work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love when uh, in the, the lyrics of it when it's just like break time's over. Let's go. And like <laughs> that I respond to you. I'm like wow, what an asshole. Eh? He's like Babar. He's just ruling with an yeah. iron fist out there. <laughs> I, like, I, I hadn't honestly heard that song in years. I did remember when I uh, when I was looking at the lyrics again. But mm. uh, Neil, you did a fantastic job. Uh, you basically knew most of it by heart. I was pretty impressed with that. Thank you. Yeah, there's two verses in there that for some reason I tripped over. I'm sure listeners figured it out. But there, there's like the Kangaskhan one and there was a couple others in there. I can't remember which ones. But yeah, I, I remember hearing that Poké rap a lot when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time after a Pokemon episode aired, of course, they played a verse or two of the Poké rap. I especially yeah. know the last verse of that one. That's the easiest one. The one that starts with Charmeleon. That's the one that I just remember. Charmeleon. Very fun. <laughs> very fun stuff to do. So uh, hopefully people didn't skip all the way through that. We do know it was incredible. <laughs> Incredibly cringe to listen to, but we had a ton of fun recording it. And thank you so much to our producer, Marty, for uh, being in the studio with us on that day. But, and the Yaz. And the Yaz, of course, in, in incorporating all of the uh, the nice little grunt noises in there, which are necessary for a Pokemon rap. But anyway, Mike, I think that it's time that we uh, jump into the episode at large. What do you think? Let's do it, Neil. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 116 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 507 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. And Babar, you guessed it, Neil. Oh, okay, great. Babar's helping out too. That's good. Last week, we covered Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. If you haven't already, go back and check it out because we probably won't be talking about Fire Emblem again for a really long time. (laughs) This week, we are celebrating the opening of the 2022-23 season and are talking about all the basketball games on the GameCube. This is going to be one of our last sports games episodes, Mike, Mm. which is crazy to think. Uh, Listeners, if you haven't already, go back and check out our other sports games episodes. We've covered soccer or football, depending on where you're from 
on episode 3, American Football on episode 17, Hockey in episode 32, and Baseball in episode 45. So I guess, Mike, let's uh, let's go back to some of our memories. When do you first remember playing a basketball game on a console? Oof, that's a good question, Neil. I, uh, and I, I should have known you were going to ask me this because you've been <laughs> doing this for 115 episodes. Right. But uh, uh, I think probably playing... Oh, you said console, so I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say that probably playing NBA Jam and things like that at arcades mm, sure. was probably the first experience I had playing any kind of basketball game in general. Um, in terms of playing it on consoles, I didn't have NBA Live growing up, but I did get it at Blockbuster a couple times. I remember renting 04, I believe it was, and maybe 05. But I didn't have a ton of experience with basketball games because I just – always thought basketball was more fun for me to just go out and play it right rather than me getting <laughs> having a game of it and i and i really enjoyed more the the 3 on 3 style basketball like nba jam uh, of course the nba street series for gamecube and playstation and xbox are all great games and those are so much fun to go back to now and play mm. so i played those ones as well when i was a kid and i really enjoyed of, of course uh, i never actually got to play volume 3 when i was a kid but i own it now and that's of course the one with peach mario and luigi up against nba superstars <laughs> uh, but but for other than that that's that was basically my main experience with uh with basketball games uh, nba jam definitely was a big impact for me as a kid I remember playing that and thinking like, whoa, this is really cool. Like, this is what video games can be. <laughs> Obviously, they've come a long way since then. But yeah. I still kind of love those games more. I think basketball lends itself so much better to the arcadey, wacky side of things mm -hmm. rather than the simulation side. Obviously, you know, it does, 2K does great nowadays with the full sim side of, of, uh, of basketball. But for me, I really, really love playing it back in the day and playing those old kind of arcade style ones. Yeah, I, I'm like you where I think just playing basketball is so much more fun. We've talked about this now in just about every sports games episode. I yeah. think I've said it where I prefer playing the game. I'm really not a huge sports game fan other than the Mario sports games, which I love, and a handful of hockey games that you and I have played over the years. Basketball is not really a, a video game genre that I have really dipped my toe into at all. I remember when I was a kid, the first basketball game I ever played was probably... This is kind of weird to say, but it might have been one of those McDonald's toys or those Burger King toys. Remember those little handheld video games that we would get? That just, oh, my God. I remember getting a basketball game from yeah one of those restaurants or a cereal box or something. And I remember playing that a lot. It was just a basketball mini game. It was like a three-point challenge kind of thing. Yeah. One of those little Tiger Electronics. And, of course, there's lots of little basketball-style mini games in other video games like Mario Party, sinking basketballs and everything. Mm -hmm. Lots of arcade basketball games again you mentioned nba jam i actually much prefer at the arcade the literal basketball hoop that you get to shoot <laughs> at that was yeah, always yeah. what i would rather go play because i like yeah. the physical games more than anything uh but studying the games this week it's been really interesting to check out the i guess the uh the rivalry between literal basketball teams and literal basketball series between nba mm. 2k and nba live it's been really neat to see but Basketball games, they date back a long ways with video games, specifically to 1973 on the Magnavox Odyssey, simply called Basketball. That was the name of the game. Come a long way since then. There's been about 19 official basketball series from NBA, NBA 2K, Double Dribble, NBA Street, NCAA Basketball, NBA Live, and, uh, and many more. The first Nintendo basketball game we ever saw was Double Dribble back in 1987. 
The most recent game is NBA 2K23 on Switch, and NBA 2K is the primary basketball game on the market right now. Each game sells on average 4 million copies, making it the best-selling NBA video game series ever, and one of the highest-selling video game series of all time. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about the series as a whole. We're going to have a bunch of callers and friends of the show come on to talk about their memories of these games, because we have a couple of friends who uh, know quite a bit more about basketball games than we do. But before we have those callers come on and join the show, Mike, I think that we should cover uh, one game without them and then dive into the games that really matter. So why don't we jump into NBA Courtside 2002? What do you say? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Interesting game. All right, cool. NBA Courtside 2002 was released on January 13th, 2002, developed by Left Field Productions. It's published by Nintendo. This is a GameCube exclusive, interesting sports exclusive game. Rates a 7 out of 10, priced today at around $15, and the cover features Kobe Bryant, This is the sequel to the 1999 release of NBA Courtside 2 on the N64, and this is also the first GameCube basketball game. So, Mike, what's so interesting about this game? It's an an exclusive. It's uh, got Kobe Bryant on the cover. This was an interesting series that Nintendo harbored in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I really didn't know much about this at all. The only the my first experience with this game was actually seeing it in some posts that people would do showing all of the uh, Nintendo published uh, GameCube games. Mm -hmm. And there's actually not that many. I think there's about 60 or so. And so I was uh, I was pretty surprised to see a sports game like this in here. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Like, what's going on? But then I kind of did remember that, you know, Nintendo actually had a big uh, presence in sports games and exclusive sports games back in the day. You think of Ken Griffey's baseball right. uh, for SNES and things like that. So I was like, okay, that's uh, that's a little interesting. I did some research and uh, learned about the NBA courtside series. And like you said, Neil, there's this is the third, the last mm-hmm. in the NBA courtside uh, series. So it started with Kobe Bryant and NBA courtside 98 for the N64. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game was really interesting to just research. That game actually has a pretty big following still. People love that game. Uh, it's pretty zany. <laughs> it's it's quite arcadey, uh, but it's also kind of considered a pretty good basketball game. And uh, Kobe Bryant was only 19. Wow. And in his second NBA season when he uh, had the game named Jeez. after him. So he is the youngest player ever to have a game named after him just a little fun fact right there that's wild i love looking i was watching some of the old commercials too of the n64 mm-hmm. games and he's featured in the commercials too like doing interviews and they're talking about the basketball game and he does a good job in those ads some athletes don't really have a lot of uh don't have a lot of pizzazz in those advertisements they don't they look really stiff uh he, yeah. he did a pretty good job of it and actually the N- nba courtside 2002 was also featured in quite a bit of gamecube marketing earlier in the gamecube's life cycle if uh, fans of GameCube probably know there was a lot of commercials around the glass cube and something going on inside of it. Usually it had something to do with Luigi or Star Wars or Wave Race or or something to do with a GameCube launch title. And you'd occasionally see basketball being played inside of one of those glass cubes. This was the game yeah. that they were advertising. It was NBA Courtside 2002, released in January 2002. It came out mere two, three months after the GameCube came out. So this was very much a launch window game that Nintendo was trying to push. And unfortunately, it did not sell well at all. The mm-hmm. number that I came to was uh, 120,000 copies worldwide from release. So not a great seller. Didn't sell GameCubes. There were better basketball games that came out after it, obviously. And Left Field Productions, unfortunately, went defunct in 2011. Uh, they did end up developing games for other systems, but their last game was a racing game called Mayhem. So hmm. sadly, that was the end of that series. But uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, 
it, it ended because it didn't sell well. Mm-hmm. Not many series on the GameCube ended that early, though, you know, in 2002, right? Uh, I think the the big problem with it was just the fact that there was so much other competition. Right. 2K and EA, obviously, were the, the big players. And Sega at the time, working nicely with Nintendo, I don't think Nintendo wanted to step on their feet that much either. So it was just kind of an easy decision to just kill NBA courtside. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the fact that it didn't have Kobe Bryant's name in this one on the GameCube, yeah. I thought was interesting that they didn't bother marketing him. Maybe they were going for more of a uh, NBA, just like, uh, you know, NBA Live, NBA 2K, NBA Courtside would be like the third one. Mm-hmm. But who, who knows? Uh, I I think one of the biggest reasons why it died, and I, this was interesting reading about this, was that Nintendo... Uh, and I think Nintendo of Japan probably had a big influence on this, but they wanted to release this game in a, the holiday season in December. And of course, we're going to learn for all these 2K and uh, live games that they do not release then. They release in October right. and September, almost exclusively, because of course, like this episode, it's when the season starts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Nintendo thought, okay, we're going we're gonna to put Quartzite out when 2K and Live aren't putting theirs out. <laughs> and just like that's just a, a great example of not knowing the market, not knowing the sport, not understanding like why that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, and that. Definitely didn't help them because, yeah, being released in January when mm. the season's almost over, yeah. or not, well, halfway over. And my favorite is actually for uh, for NBA Courtside, I think it was the the second one or maybe the first one. I think it's the second one. that get, It got released in May. Yeah, May. that's the end of the season. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know a ton about sports games, but what I do know is, or what I can garner from the fans and the, the market is that people buy a sports game and then they play it for that year. Like yes. like FIFA and NHL and Madden and all those games. Like they, they don't buy multiple basketball games throughout the year. They typically buy the one and then they make that last the entire year. There are updates now to these games. There weren't back then. But then they would buy the next one, the next calendar cycle that that game gets another release, which makes makes sense. Like that that's a that's a good cycle for a game. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it makes sense if you're a sports fan, you buy the game at the start of the season and you play it alongside while your favorite basketball players are playing on TV live. Mm-hmm. That just makes sense with the, the game the yeah. makes sense with the market that the game is based on. So yeah, completely just an oversaturated market. You mentioned NBA 2K coming out and uh, EA having their series. There was also NBA Street, which I know is an arcadey basketball game, but it's still another basketball game that parents have to consider spending money on. Kids have to save up yeah. for. So even though it was an arcadey game, it was still a very well-received basketball series, the NBA Street series, which we, which we've already talked about. Going to talk about it again a little bit later because it does rank amongst the highest of the highest rated basketball games of all time so just an over oversaturated market that nintendo did not need to be competing in is the other thing too they they had other fish to fry in the gamecube generation absolutely not and that's kind of why they got out of it but you mentioned arcadiness uh in the street uh nba street series well this actually had an arcade mode in it which was a feature of this game that made it actually a really good game because we, we didn't mm. actually say that NBA Courtside is a good game yes it's not like some bad game that Nintendo put out they put a lot of effort into it left field did a great job developing it so on arcade mode uh it's a feature in the game of course where everything is very absurd in <laughs> the classic kind of early 2000s late 90s style and one of the features of this mode is that there's little hot spots that show up on the court that are worth either 5 10 or 15 point shots that's right not 
two or three point shots, but <laughs> 15 point shots. And additionally, if you consistently hit shots, you'll fill up a max meter, which awards you an extra two points for each shot. So basically, you can get 17 point shots. Uh, if you uh, do it well enough, and I saw, I was reading about this, uh, and I, I I was playing a little bit and watching people play, and uh, yeah, you can rack up like a twenty six hundred point game, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty crazy. That's awesome. You see, like th- like you said, this is a good game, and it's kind of good to see a series end on a high note. Like yeah. it didn't it didn't have to go away and get delayed, and like we're gonna talk about a few series in in a little bit, but it didn't. It didn't have a bad release and then have a, a canceled release and then come back to a game that, that sucked and then try to rebuild again. It, it had three solid games, some that are still played to this day, uh, one that's rather easy to find and pretty cheap to play on GameCube, and, and, it can re- and it can be remembered fondly and not as this series mm-hmm. that just went downhill fast in the 2000s, which uh, we've talked about a lot of series that have done that. So yep. good on them to end at a, at a good time on a high note, too. It's just too bad that it, it had to be at such an at a poor time in the GameCube's life and on a low selling console. I feel like if, if it was on a different console, probably would be talking about this game a little bit differently. I think so too. Yeah. A bit of a weird move to not, um, for Nintendo to just go in on it fully. But I mean, it made sense. Like I said, Mm -hmm. with the other things they were doing in the late nineties, uh, three little points here that I have, and then we can read the back of the case, Neil. Sure. Uh, (laughs) some funny ones. If you, you hang on to the rim, too long after doing a dunk, you get a technical foul, Ooh, okay. which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, there are long-standing rumors that Kobe actually had a hand in raiding all the players, which explains why their ratings are all hidden. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. He's... It's never being conclusively proven or anything, <laughs> but that's just with the rumor. I thought that was interesting. Hmm, that's that's funny. And that'll, it'll never be proven now. Obviously, we should say Kobe Bryant, RIP. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes. Yeah. I, like the, um, I like when the glass shatters. That's my favorite part of basketball. When the glass shatters is always great, but mm. yeah, this this game was was really cool in that sense. There there were some extra little hidden things in the arcade mode, of course. The normal sim mode is fine. It leaves a lot to be desired. I think I think NBA Two K and especially NBA Live at this point, uh, in in the timeline did it way better in terms of career and everything like yeah. that. So, uh, but of course we'll talk about that very soon. But uh, before we do that, let's hit the back of the case for NBA Courtside Two Thousand Junior. All right, sounds good. But first, Victor. Hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Elevate your game. Your new courtside seats are on the Nintendo GameCube, and the views have never been better. Get ready for unprecedented realism from motion-captured moves to face mapping. Want a break from the grind of an NBA season? Play 3-on-3 arcade mode and bust out your crazy style with larger-than-life moves. All the details are here, including precise ball physics, dynamic in-game commentary, mind-blowing jukes, and brutally accurate rejections. With an innovative passing system, adrenaline-boosting moves, and alley-oop dunks, you'll be in the game like never before. Play full seasons, sweat through the playoffs, or just kick back and school a friend in the three-point contest. Post up the talented CPU, hit up the parquet with a buddy, or grab three friends and see who's got game and who's all talk. Very nice. It's a long back of the case. It is a long back of the case. I also (laughs) forgot to say, I think Kobe Bryant did a lot of the mocap for these games too. So he's credited for kind of being like the uh, the model for all of the animations, which is kind of cool that they 
took the uh, the cover athlete and put him to work. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it is cool. I, I I enjoyed. I read that too. I enjoyed that they did that. Uh, and also looking for NBA courtside, just if you Google it, uh, terrible SEO because of course the first thing that comes up is. Where can I get courtside seats? Yeah. How do I get courtside seats? What do courtside <laughs> seats look like? So, yeah, you have to do NBA courtside GameCube for everything. Yep. Yeah, not a great not great SEO for <laughs> sure. But anyway, moving on to a series now that has terrific SEO uh, in today's basketball market, we're going to be talking about the 2K series, starting with NBA 2K2, released on March 20th, 2002, developed by Visual Concepts. Uh, they made all the 2K sports games, basically. Published by Sega. It's also on Dreamcast, PS2, and Xbox. Rates a 9 out of 10. Priced today at around $10. And on the cover is Allen Iverson. And we'll also be talking about NBA 2K3, released on October 7th, 2002, also developed by Visual Concepts, published again by Sega. This game is on PS2 and Xbox, rates a 9 out of 10, priced today at around $40. On the cover is also Allen Iverson. Mike, before we talk about these games, though, I think uh, it's probably best that we talk about the 2K series in general. Uh, NBA 2K, there's 23 games across 18 consoles. The first game was released in 1999, latest release in 2022. The game has been wildly consistent. Originally published by Sega Sports, that'll be the games that we're talking about today, up until 1995. Uh, but since NBA 2K6, the series has been published by 2K Sports, who are, of course, owned by Take-Two Interactive, and they're kind of like the big... Uh, com- big competitor to the uh the ea games that we talk about uh for current generations i suppose but mm-hmm. do you have any memory or history or experience playing the 2k series no uh baseball i mean <laughs> okay actually that's a lie <laughs> uh i did play the 2k series with uh friends of the show brian and harrison who are coming on later to talk about nba live i played it with them in uh, college it was a lot of fun and the the big takeaway that i remember and these were 2K11, 12, 13 in that era. Mm. Uh, I just remember how amazing the, the commentary was. Yeah. It, there was so many hours recorded of commentary, and it was so individual. And like I, if I felt like I never heard a, like a uh, repeat line the entire time I played it. Meanwhile, I also owned the NHL games at the time, NHL 11, 12, 13, and they were terrible for repetition. Oh my god, I feel like I heard only like 10 lines the entire time I played it, like the 100 mm. hours I put into it. So that was something that really really impressed me right out the gate cuz I I always thought of 2K games for all sports games as like the secondary one, right. you know, it's the lesser game. And sometimes it's true, but other times like the NFL games, they're they can honestly be just better games. Uh you need a competitor sometimes I truly believe to to push you to the next level. Uh, and 2K Definitely. was really good at that with EA. They they really pushed them, and they pushed them on all sports, and uh, the most so they did uh, with basketball. They mm-hmm. really pushed EA to step up their game, and EA faltered hard. And we're going to talk about that, you know, in a couple minutes with the NBA Live series. But that was kind of cool to see 2K actually win one there. And yeah, ever since they've been going super strong, and the games are. Uh, they're more complex today. There's obviously a lot of microtransactions and stuff. That's kind of how 2K really makes their money uh, alongside the the sales of all these games. But uh, they're still great games. They're a ton of fun to play. Friend of the show, Marty, has been playing uh, 2K22 uh, recently, and he's been trying to get trades. He wants to try and trade <laughs> a bunch of Toronto players for Kevin Durant, and he uh, he keeps he keeps trying different moves, and the computer won't let him trade. So that's that's mm-hmm. what he's been doing lately. He also brought back the Vancouver Grizzlies. Nice. Uh, and he made an expansion team in Vancouver. So he's uh, I think he's in the year 2023 or 2029. 
uh, right now, and he's uh, you know he's he's uh, being very successful in Vancouver. Oh, good for Marty. I'm glad to hear he's doing well. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you said it perfectly. How like we were in an era here where there were so many competitive. There was such a competitive market for games. Like there was. There was two soccer games. There was two basketball games. There were two different hockey games. There were two different shooters with Medal of Honor and uh, Call of Duty. Like, I feel like that we've gotten away from that a little bit. I could be completely wrong, but I just feel like that it would be so cool to see it go back to that and just like have those kind of wars going on where it's like, which which version, which game did you pick up? Which basketball game did you get? I just want the gaming community to be divided again is really what I'm getting at. Uh, it, it just, you know, just breeds, competition breeds such excellence. And uh, not to say games today aren't great. I just feel like they are definitely different and you touched on something really important there of course our sports announcers in video games and uh 2k nails it uh with with these series um i really feel like you and i talk about sports announcers so much if anybody out there are developing like an indie sports game or something and they're looking for two sports announcers i think we have a good oh shot of god that'd be like my dream goal i think for all of this is to lend our voices to being an announcer any sport i don't care what the sport is i will do it listeners so i will know, do it free of charge oh yeah oh, oh my god yeah. yeah yeah no <laughs> i no. please I, I, we would love to be sports announcers for something. Please, we I'm going to push this out. <laughs> we could totally crush it. Yeah, I think anytime we talk about a sports game, we need to put this PSA out over yeah. and over again that we are applying for jobs as <laughs> announcing voice actors in video games. But nevertheless, the NBA 2K series, Mike, I didn't know this, is one of the leading world sellers in video games. 118 million worldwide sales. That's the 21st wow. best-selling video game series of all time, just behind Star Wars by about... <laughs> 2 million copies, so it will pass that, I'm assuming, in the next year. That's insane. Yeah. That just, actually blows my mind. Think about that. And then just ahead of Wii Sports at uh, 114 million. So, yeah, it is uh, absolutely crazy how well this game sells. But if you look at it every year, it's always the best-selling PS4 game. It sells really well on PlayStation, it seems. Uh, one thing I really love about the 2K series, actually, are the lawsuits that they've had. Mm. <laughs> over the years not what you would think believe it or not it's it's mo it's mainly from tattoo artists oh yeah interesting yeah the first one was filed in january of 2016 by solid oak sketches uh looking for 1.1 million dollars uh in licensing uh copyright fees due to the tattoos that take two used in their game uh there's a separate tattoo lawsuit uh filed by james hayden in december of 2017 uh, same thing, uh, suing Take-Two's recreation of his tattoo designs for NBA players, like the tattoos on LeBron James. Um, but the, all, all of these lawsuits have pretty much all been dropped uh, just from court trial. I don't, I'm not, not going to pretend to know <laughs> yeah. uh, what I'm talking about here, but basically they all got dropped. But I just find that that's, that's what gets caught are the, the tattoo artists. But I guess those technically do count as art. I think that those tattoo artists should maybe be compensated in some weird way, but I'm assuming that if you're doing tattoo artists on LeBron James, you're probably doing pretty well already. Um, yeah. Those guys don't just go to anybody to get their tattoos done. But anyway, kind of an interesting little fun fact about the uh, the 2K series. And the series is still on Nintendo systems to this day. We just recently got 2K23. And yes, Visual Concepts did make it. But Fun fact about that first NBA 2K2 game, uh, that's one of the few games that appeared on all six generation consoles, Dreamcast, PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. Not many games did that. No, wow. That is actually kind of interesting. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Fun little fact. It's Puyo Puyo Pop Fever and Capcom versus SNK. Yeah. We talked about both those games, actually. But uh, yep. uh, yeah, they are on uh, all of them as well. So that's kind of kind of fun but um yeah the 2k series uh we've said lots about it already there they these ones 
are good games. They're definitely very technically sound and they definitely push the boundaries, I think, and definitely push NBA Live. I still prefer the NBA Live games of this era. I know that 2K2 specifically is known as quite a good game uh, and uh, really just enhanced everything that 2K1 and 2K had done beforehand. It was weird that, and this is kind of, we talked about this, but with the NBA court side, uh, you know, they have Iverson as like their big at cover athlete for all of them, but they, they, they don't use his name uh, mm. for uh, to promote it almost, right? And I think NBA Live was, they did the better way of, of changing, uh, changing the cover athlete every year. And I love the fact that they changed the cover athlete for all the different regions too. But uh, yeah, it's kind of felt a little stale having Iverson on five yeah. 2K games. That's yeah. a little much. Yeah, definitely. But they didn't have to worry about the rebranding issue that I think NBA Live went through, where they restructured it to NBA Elite, which didn't help. It caused a bit of confusion since EA was already publishing two different basketball games in the 2000s with mm-hmm. NBA Live and NBA Street. I feel like the NBA 2K series had more of like a slow and steady wins the race approach to things where they yeah. they didn't they didn't overextend their abilities. They they got the teams that they could. They got the players that they could on the front of the cover. In this case, Allen Iverson, they didn't have to go out and look for new players every year. So they did have a slow start for sure, but it was around the 2K era when they started to add things like online play on xbox and ps2 and they slowly added in new features they didn't it just feels like that they didn't kind of just extend too fast they didn't grow too quickly and it definitely paid off for them in the long run and like you said the 2k series is well renowned it's it's in the highest uh rated basketball games of all time and and you're right of the top five highest rated NBA or basketball games in general on Metacritic, the 2K series takes four of the top five spots. Uh, NBA 2K2 at number one, tied with 2K1, both have a 93 on Metacritic. Uh, The only game in the top five is NBA Street Volume 2 with a 90, and that actually ties with NBA 2K12 and 13. So yeah, so they're all in 90 percentile on Metacritic doing really well. But Mm. yeah, the NBA 2K series is obviously a juggernaut and uh, it's hard to see anything coming back and and taking its lunch again. But they are certainly not as good on GameCube, though. I I will say the control scheme is a little strange with GameCube. Uh, It's not as tight as the other as PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, So if you are going to play the 2K series, honestly, probably best to play it on uh, the other consoles and I yeah. mean, just like now it's better yeah. to play it on not yeah. the Nintendo switch, which is always uh, too bad. Um, but um, uh, also with 2k. So we, we talked a little bit about how NBA live went through kind of a w- weird rebranding there. Uh, well, 2k did it as well, but then kind of came back out of it because after 2k three, they dropped Nintendo Mm-hmm. And they weren't working with Nintendo anymore. And the 2K4 was actually titled ESPN NBA Basketball. True. Which I thought was a little interesting there. And then they went back to the 2K uh, moniker uh, because that clearly stuck. And maybe ESPN NBA Basketball didn't sell very well. Uh, it was also like, I remember seeing the cover of that too. I was like, this is really weird. It's like Allen Iverson, but like zoomed in on his face. Uh, it's a strange cover. You might see it at game stores. But yeah, it's uh, it, the, the series is, is still, you know, quite uh, recognizable and, and, and very renowned, especially in, even in the early, early times like this, uh, NBA 2K3, uh, 
fun little fact about this. It was actually the first NBA 2K to feature ESPN licensing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and though the actual ESPN name wouldn't appear uh, until, like we said, the ESPN NBA basketball uh, game. So it, it's uh, I think having ESPN definitely helped them a bit there, too. They tried to do that with other sports games, and I feel like that wasn't the move but for here because uh i guess where 2k was going and how it was sega sports branded at first and it was a little kind of messy this made sense honestly the really only reason that 2k managed to get out of this era was because the games were really good yeah (laughs) pretty much like that's and so credit to them and they they kept making good games but um yeah it's uh it's interesting we'll talk about 2k a little bit more when brian and harrison uh, come on to talk about NBA Live, but uh, why don't you read the backs of the cases for the, these, Neil, and we'll move on to maybe one of the most interesting games on the Cube. For sure. And just an aside about ESPN, there's something about that logo and that name that when I see ESPN on a sports game, I think budget. I don't know why. Yep, me too. Me too. I, I don't know what it is about them. Like, they're they're very well known for TV. Uh, if I see that on a video game, I just, I, I get a little suspicious. But anyway... NBA 2K2, this dynasty is for real. Prepare to post MVP numbers as you light it up with rim-rattling dunks, then shut it down with smothering D. What? (laughs) NBA 2K2 brings the skills to elevate your team to the next level and the smarts to keep them on top. I got a nickname, Mike, and it's Smothering D, okay? (laughs) Smothering D. (laughs) Then we had NBA 2K3, the dominant player takes charge. ESPN broadcast presentation, precision offense, hardcore defense, and street mode. Gotta have that street mode. Next, we have NCAA College Basketball 2K3. That is a bloody mouthful. Released on (laughs) December 2nd, 2002. Developed by Kush Games, published by Sega, also on PS2 and Xbox. Rates an 8 out of 10. Price today, Mike, $500. Cover athlete is Jay Williams. Why in God's name is an NBA game so expensive on the GameCube? Oh, Neil, I got the answer for you. So it's kind of interesting, actually. Mm. Um, the story goes that Sega ceased production of 2K games on the GameCube around the time that NCAA was released. And they recalled the game, actually, after a very, very limited print run was produced. So, um, And also for the fact that people were not running out of their house to try and buy a college <laughs> basketball game on the GameCube uh, and uh, while it was available. So we have this combined with the uh, the fact that it got recalled, similar to the uh, Danny Heatley kind of thing. Yeah. Um, although th- that was out for months before, this was out for a much smaller amount of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that made it a really rare game. I'll, and apparently only about 4,000 copies are out there. Really? Uh, so one of the most uh, hardest hardest to find games for sure on the GameCube. This was the most interesting though, that I found, Neil. Uh, I was uh, on a, I was just, I Googled NCAA College Basketball 2K3 and I found an old forum post from 2005. Uh, someone asking, why is it, like, what's, why is this game expensive? What's so infamous about it? And, uh, uh, people are like, yeah, it's worth $60, $60 plus on eBay. And, uh, and and then other people were like, yeah, it used to be worth. Now it goes for 30 40 maybe. It's like, yeah, this game is like down to nothing. Like it'll, it'll be just cheap again. Wow. <laughs> Boy, were they wrong. Imagine if someone sold it at 40 Wow, I feel like such a sucker. But I mean, like that happens now too with video games. Like you see stuff gets get priced down to $10 and then a few years later, it's, it's crazy expensive. So yep. the cycle keeps on going. A similar thing did happen with uh, EA Live, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But there was a PS3 version of one of the e- the later NBA Elite games that was put yeah. out, and co- it was canceled after it was released, which is kind of weird. And 
So there's a lot of copies of that game out there that are expensive too, but that's that's so crazy and like I've never <laughs> seen this game in a store before from what I can remember. I have, yeah, yeah. Have you? Uh our local store had it one time. Mm. Uh ANC Games had a copy of and that was this was years ago and it was probably about 200 I think when okay. I saw it. Should have bought it back then. That would have been an investment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that but, that I would not do. But you know, uh, <laughs> that's the thing though about this game is that there's nothing overly special about it. Like it's it's a no. it's the GameCube's only college basketball game. But like you said, people aren't running out of their houses to buy a college basketball game on GameCube. Uh, it does have quite a few teams in it. Like you've got over 300 Division One college yeah. basketball teams to pick from. Uh, there's 60 different school-specific fight songs, which is kind of cool. The commentary is all really good. Like, it's a really well-put-together package of a game. Yeah. It's not worth $500. That's mainly just because of the rareness of it. Um, if you can find it for a really cheap price, I would highly recommend it, and then resell it and get your money if you can. best way to play this game, honestly, is on the Xbox, actually. Oh, for sure. Uh, the Xbox had a compatibility for four players to play this game, like most games in this era, and GameCube and PS2 only had compatibility for two players. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why the GameCube only had two-player multiplayer. That's so weird. Sometimes they did that. Like, we talked about, like, the cartoon episode where yeah. just two players, never four. So weird. Never three. That was always a weird one. <laughs> yeah, never three. <laughs> I would no love to. No Ed, Ed, and Eddie's. Yeah, right? Just an Ed, and Eddie. Why is there no three-player multiplayer? Would have been awesome. But, yeah, it's uh, it's another basketball game. It's a weird one on there when we have all of these NBA games. Like, of the games we're talking about today, we have six NBA games, six or seven, and then the one college basketball game. So, it was out there for a brief time, but you're totally right. Definitely pick it up on Xbox if you can. It's more affordable, I believe, on that console, too. Um, that's all I have to say about NCAA college basketball. Mike, anything on your end? Uh, not that much more. No, I mean, we did get more NCAA games, uh, college basketball games, as the uh, years progressed. We had ESPN College Hoops in 03. We had the, the 2K moniker came back in uh in 07 and 08 as well we also had uh ea throwing their hat in the, in the ring once again with uh ncaa march madness uh 07 and 08 which i actually kind of remember and i think they used to have the march madness games as well and they kind of would bring them back would go away again bring them back we talked about on the nfl episode how uh they did have the ncaa college football games that stopped getting made and now are getting made again and uh, yeah, maybe we'll see college basketball games get made again. Uh, I'm not sure when the last one was. I think it was like in 2009 or 2010. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. But yeah. uh, it's interesting because uh, NCAA basketball is huge. It's arguably bigger than the NBA uh, at points. Uh, everyone does a bracket. You know, March Madness is huge. So yeah, it would be interesting to see what we get in the future for uh some college basketball games but uh, until then neil why don't we read the back of the case of this 500 hundred dollar game sure thing 500 dollars. here's what it gets you head of the class <laughs> espn broadcast presentation passion pageantry purity nice legend in your own time tourney time that's when you can uh, sweat it out in conference tournaments the classic field of 64 or create your own custom tourneys will you be one and done or net cutting in new orleans you see that that's the thing that I love about sports games that they don't really do very well anymore is like that origin story of players. I think that a campaign in a sports game would be so cool, like starting off as like a young player in high school, working your way up through college. I know that they've tried this in recent EA games. They don't work for some reason. There was one in a recent football game, I know. But I really think that like having a really cool like 20, imagine having like a 20 hour basketball campaign video game. Yeah, oh my god. Like, That's a true RPG. Have the balls to put 20 hours, like to put hundreds of man hours, thousands of man hours into a 
20-hour basketball game uh, that I can play once and then get a platinum in and then put away and never play the online. Because um, that's the thing about these sports games, that you have to play multiplayer for them to be fun. There's nothing to do with single player. I know you can play against the NPCs, but uh, eventually you get bored. Uh, I, I would just love to have a story, like a really good acted, uh, you know, get, get Troy Baker in there, get... Uh, yeah, Tara Strong in there. Who knows? Honestly, the 2K games are kind of like they're well, some are pretty bad with the the voice acting for some of these because sure. they got real players to do some voice acting. Mm. But the stories can be really interesting, especially when you you be a pro. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot of different uh, like um, your answers to to press questions really affect how your team perceives you and yeah. all this kind of stuff. It's really cool. FIFA did a really good job of that as well. Uh, they don't have the FIFA Pro anymore, I don't think, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, it's an interesting thing that I hope 2K does more and more because that was definitely my favorite thing about playing those uh, those 2K games with Brian and Harrison was uh, was going through the Be a Pro and uh, uh, and our player name was Easy Breezy and so we actually <laughs> got the accommodators to see and here comes Easy Breezy <laughs> and that's the type of thing that we can do if we become uh, voice actors for an indie dev sports game but. Uh... <sighs> We're going to keep saying that. We're going to keep saying it. But, Mike, I think I hear our phone lines ringing. It's time to move on to the NBA Live series, and we have a couple friends wanting to join the show. But before we do, I'm just going to read all the stats of all four NBA Live games on the GameCube, just because we're going to cover all these games at once. They're all very similar, so uh, not to get annoying. We'll start with NBA Live 2003, released on October 8th, 2002, developed by EA Canada, published by EA Sports. The game is also on PS2, PS1, Xbox, and Windows. Rates an 8 out of 10, priced today at around $10, and the cover athlete is Jason Kidd. And then we had NBA Live 2004, released on October 14th, 2003, Developed by EA Canada, published by EA Sports. It's also on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. Rates an 8.5 out of 10. Price today, again, at around $10. Cover athlete is Vince Carter. Go Raptors. Uh, Raul Lopez and Tony Parker. Uh, followed up by NBA Live 2005. Develop followed up with NBA Live 2005. Released on September 28, 2004. Developed by EA Canada. Published by EA Sports. It's also on PS2, Xbox, and Windows. Rates an 8 out of 10. Priced today at around $15. The cover athlete is Carmelo Anthony, Tony Parker, and Poe Gasol. I don't know who that is. I've never heard that name in my life. And finally, we have NBA Live 06. It wouldn't be a sports episode without that. <laughs> NBA Live 06. <laughs> oh, released no. on September 26, 2005. Developed by EA Canada. Published by EA Sports. Also on, here we go, PS2, Xbox, Windows, PSP, Mobile, and Xbox 360. Rates and rates a 7 out of 10. Priced today at around $10. And on the front covers, we have Dwayne Wade. We have Dwayne Wade, Yuta Taboos, Tony Parker, and Poe Gasol. Why are there so many cover athletes? What's going on here? Well, Neil, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And we'll talk about this later on with uh, Harrison and Brian, who will be joining us. But uh, uh, NBA Live is one of the first series where they actually got different cover athletes depending on the region, oh. which is pretty cool. So PAL region or, and like Spain, France, because there were Spanish and French athletes, they actually, well, Tony Parker is technically, but uh, we they actually got uh, got them to be on the cover for the regions uh, uh, for in Europe, which is pretty pretty cool. But uh, of course, joining us today are Brian and Harrison. Uh, we had them on, of course, we've had them on many times. But uh, I think the last time they were together might have been the football episode way back wow. in the day. But uh, yeah, we're really excited to talk to them about some NBA live games. And our first question to you guys would be: Who is your favorite? cover athlete uh for any of these uh nba live games or of all time okay so it probably would have been vince carter at the time mm -hmm. but knowing 
as a as a Raptors fan, and people have forgiven him, but I I can forgive, but I'll never forget what he did. So I don't know. I I, I really I also really like um, T Mac and NBA Live 07. Uh, that's also another one I played, mm-hmm. and uh, with that one it was really cool because they had a they actually had a video. I don't think it was in the intro. It was in the it was a video in the game that described how T Mac scored like ten or like twelve points in in a minute. Or so uh, to come back and win against San Antonio, uh, which is actually impossible. I, and uh, it's very famous on YouTube. If you don't know the legend about Tracy McGrady, like not to mention he's a scoring champion, former Raptor, whatever. Um, that is actually one of his claim to fame. The other one is not making it out of the first round, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, but yeah, that was a cool. They did like a documentary featurette thing uh, that was actually in NBA Level Seven. So hmm. I'll go with T Mac for this one. That's a really cool fact that I had no idea about that. And T Mac is one of my favorite players ever. I had a T Mac jersey, and I got to meet him actually. Him in uh, Junkyard Dog, uh, 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 Alvin Williams, right? That was his actual name. <laughs> uh, down on on no Junkyard Dog is Jerome Williams. Uh, Jerome Alvin Williams. Williams is Alvin Williams. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> so, listen, there was a lot of there was like four Williams on the early two thousands Raptors. So. <laughs> oh yeah, we can't forget about Eric Williams, who we got from uh, Vince Carter. That's cool. Anyone remember New Jersey Nets, baby? <laughs> yeah. So the Williams parade was uh, pretty strong there. Unfortunately, no uh, no Williams on the covers of NBA Live. But uh, Harrison, I got to ask you, uh, who is your favorite cover athlete of all time? Um, if it's all time and we're not basing it just off the games uh, that were mentioned, um, it'd have to be Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why is that? He's a great player. He did nothing wrong. Um, amazing leader for the Washington Wizards. Okay, that can't, um, that can't be real. Yeah, um, but if we're going through the ones that are on the GameCube, <laughs> then I would have to give it to to Tracy McGrady. Uh, just because Brian said it perfectly there. If you haven't seen that video of him scoring all those points in, in a short period of time, it's fantastic. But um, I'm giving it to Gilbert Arenas. And of course, uh, Gilbert Arenas, uh, you know, he didn't bring a gun into the, into the locker room. And uh, and nothing nothing happened there, and he's totally fine. And that's why we have Gilbert Arenas presents NBA Live 2023, right, Brian? I mean, <laughs> hey, if you can if you if you can get him back in the into the league out of exile, that's that, that's cool. I have actually like watched like there's a whole interview about Gilbert Arenas and why he brought like a gun to the locker room, and he I don't know if you listen to it, you're like this guy's an idiot. So um, uh, like he tries to defend the fact that like he's just a big gun owner and all that kind of stuff. And, but he's on the cover of NBA Live 08. For anyone who doesn't know uh, anything about Gilbert Arenas, it's that he he actually once had a gambling dispute with a with a former teammate, and uh, he I, I guess like he went into the locker room and he put two guns down on his in his locker. And he told them to pick one, <laughs> just you know, because that's the best flex in the world, right? So I believe that teammate who I forgot who it is at this point, uh, he's now in jail, <laughs> uh, and somehow Gilbert Arenas isn't uh, for just slapping. It, it's basically like you know the saying, throw your like quote unquote sausage on the table. It's kind of like that, but he did it with a pair of handguns and just told them to pick one. <laughs> Um, Maybe so. he's just asking his opinion on which gun he likes better. <laughs> Maybe just which one goes better with this this uh, this uniform with the away jersey. He needed to know which hand handheld gun would would work better with those shorts. You, you don't. Yeah, like who cares about headbands? Like it's all about the guns that, that you put in the shorts. Yeah, it's not about headbands. It's about handguns. 
Man, if, we, if only we got NBA Street Volume 4, we might have got some handguns in an NBA game. But uh, nevertheless, exactly. we've never seen an, a handgun in an NBA game. From what I know, uh, those of you that don't know anything about the NBA Live series, uh, it's the successor to the NBA Playoff series released in 1989 for the MS-DOS compatible PCs and later adopted to consoles in the early 90s, uh, specifically for the Sega Mega Drive. The actual NBA Live series began in 1995. Um, we started to see different console variations in 2004 for different regions, like Mike said earlier. And since then, we've seen the game or the games release on 16 different consoles, and there's 23 entries in total. But the series, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, has been on a hiatus since 2018. Uh, for the longest time, NBA Live was the biggest hit. It was the coolest basketball game. But eventually, as we talked about earlier, the 2K series overtook it. And uh, the NBA Live series took on quite a few hardships in the early 2010s, uh, specifically with uh, NBA Elite 11 and uh, Elite 12, which was never even announced. Uh, they had a couple of canceled games. Uh, NBA Live 14 did eventually come out in 2013 and was destroyed in reviews, got a 4 out of 10 in total. So ever since then, the series has just been on shaky ground and now an indefinite hiatus. But we brought Brian and uh, Harrison on today to talk about the uh, the earlier games, the ones from the uh, the early 2000s, right, Mike? That's right. But I do want to know for, we can start with Brian here. I do want to know what your guys' first, I guess, um, uh, experience was with uh, basketball games and specifically NBA Live. Um, I mean, I, I've always kind of grown up as a, like a basketball fan, uh, probably beyond being a Raptors fan. And at the time in Canadian television, Steve Nash was also a really big hit and, uh, deservingly so hall of famer. Uh, and the, they would actually broadcast a lot of his games, uh, in Dallas in Canada. So that also got me a lot of exposure with basketball. And I guess, uh, that must have been like the NBA Live series must have been one of the first series that I ever actually like really got into because it kind of augmented or amplified the uh my my love for basketball especially at a young age uh the fact that you know especially there were so many stars at the time too um that that you could play as I for one did a create a character as myself and made a <laughs> seven foot six person uh, that could shoot three balls along with Dirk Nowitzki on the Dallas Mavericks. So that was cool. <laughs> There's no other way to do it. You have to make yourself the max height. It was seven six the max in uh, in in the NBA NBA Live games that you played. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like whatever Yao Ming was. So I think Yao Ming was seven foot six, and they just. I, I mean, when you're a kid, all you want to do is just make the slider a left or right. And, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, As an adult, so, I still want that. So, <laughs> so you know, you set the slider. It's still like character creations in, in RPG games or whatever. Yeah. You just like go all dial it all the way to the end. And you can either make yourself seven foot six. Earl of Boykins was the young uh, was the shortest player probably at the time. So that would be like five foot five was like probably the wow. Um, which would have been really fun to make a five foot five high flyer that like dunk like Nate like <laughs> Nate Robinson before he came into the league. So that, that would have been cool. And what about you, Harrison? What's your first experience with uh, NBA Live and just basketball games in general? Yeah, basketball games. Uh, the first basketball game I actually owned was uh, the Space Jam video game. Great. Um, it was for well, I had it for the Sega Saturn. Shout out Sega. It wasn't a very good game at all. It was actually really, really bad. Um, <laughs> you can look it up. It's it's not very good. Um, and then obviously NBA Jam in the arcade because that's just a classic. But 
NBA Live 05 was the first one that I actually owned, played. And like Brian, I also created a couple sideshow freaks as well um, <laughs> that were just unstoppable. Um, but that game alone, there was so much to it that actually got me into more um, of the NBA. Um, like actually looking up like past players, past teams, past jerseys and all that cool stuff. And I think we'll dive into that a little bit later. But yeah, 05 was definitely the one for me. Yeah, it's cool how that really kind of uh, like video games can bring you into sports so much more. Uh, I found that specifically more with golf than anything. I remember playing Tiger Woods PGA Tour 05, hearing some great soundtrack uh, music there, a little uh, little outcast in that uh, in that game. But I, I never really had much interest in golf. And I remember playing it and be like, whoa, like golf games are cool. Like This is awesome. And and I was really into getting like the gear because there's a whole other section there with like going to the pro shop and buying Callaway drivers and Cleveland golf. Like now I look back and I'm like, oh my God, it just was like consumerism at its finest for kids <laughs> and just getting you started young, right? It's like, I need these brands or else I won't be good at golf. But it's funny how games can, you know, really uh, introduce kids to to sports in such a different way uh and uh, especially when they're marketed properly and they're developed really well and i think these nba live games uh of the early 2000s were really the best at what they did like they they did bring that arcadiness but also the sim uh and all the licenses and everything that got kids really into it and the music too like we have to talk about as we do whenever we bring up a sports game uh, the soundtracks of course all the nba live games had their own unique soundtracks with lots of Mostly hip hop. New metal was clearly dead in uh, in two thousand and two, two thousand three. Unfortunately, not a lot of Limp Biscuit. Not a lot of who else Damn is there? Pod. What else is out there? I don't know. But fun fact about the NBA Live two thousand three soundtrack, at least, is that was the first video game soundtrack in history to be certified by the RIAA, which is the Recording Industry Association Association of America, selling one point three million copies worldwide, which is wow, insane. Like that's crazy to think that a video game soundtrack that isn't like a Final Fantasy orchestrated soundtrack would would sell so well. Um, it's really cool. But what about you guys, Brian, starting with you, I guess, do you have a favorite uh, NBA live soundtrack that, uh, that you like to go back to? Uh, I mean, I started like when you guys had mentioned to, to bring me on to this, I started listening <laughs> to a little bit of the NBA live 2004 one. That one's pretty stacked. Like yeah. it got chingy with right there. Like that's a classic. <laughs> that, gets, that gets brought up in our group chats every now and then. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jermaine Dupree's pretty underrated. Uh, what else is there? There's outcast. Mm-hmm. Get so, music. Yeah. And I think, I think I, I mentioned this in the Def Jam episode where, like, at the time, hip-hop was very, like, almost larger than life kind of stuff. It was really outrageous, and it was a time where, like, almost like the, like, you know, the baggier jeans in some way, the cooler it was. Like, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. almost like the baggier jeans were in terms of music. It was just, it was just a lot cooler. So, um, yeah, it really fit it really well, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely a lot of fun to listen to. You just felt like, it just felt right when you were playing basketball or playing basketball video games in, you know, 2003, 2004. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Harrison, you? Brian nailed it again with the right soundtrack. 04 was definitely the best one. Uh, And the reason why is because Twista, the fastest rapper alive, actually (laughs) released a song called NBA Live 2004. Uh, You can look it up and you can listen to it. It, It's great. It's it's probably one of the best hip-hop songs about basketball next to anything Bow Wow came out with, but that was a, a good one as well. Also DeBrat's on NBA Live 04. Um, that's not a good thing. Uh, DeBrat <laughs> is in Glitter and 
also responsible for the East Coast West Coast feud. Uh, you have to look up that video as well too. Um, but yeah, little flips also in there. Sean Paul, the game clips. So early Pusha T as well. Uh, so yeah, 04 is definitely the the best one out of all of them, in my opinion. I would 100 percent agree with that. Yeah, 04 is such a good soundtrack. You basically mentioned all the really good ones. I particularly love ghetto music one of my favorite outcast tracks that's in there uh nba live 2003 also pretty good it's got full moon by brandy love brandy featuring fat joe uh that song neil also in donkey Konga too uh oh, so wow. you know, a little, little nintendo co- connection there uh we got snoop dogs get live uh there as well uh, nba live 2006 has a solid soundtrack as well Chameleonaire, if you guys remember Chameleonaire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, grind Time. Uh, we got Lupe Fiasco, titled, which is also in Need for Speed Most Wanted. Great track. Uh, Jurassic 5 in the house. And my personal favorite, Q-Tip, featuring Busta Rhymes. Great little old-school hip-hop duo right there. Uh, for the Nasty. Great, great track. So, yeah, like these... Uh, uh, like all the EA games at this point, uh, their soundtracks were so good and really immersed you into the game. And as we've said, and a friend of the show, Marty, who's been on many times for sports episode, have said, this was really the best way to to experience uh, different music at this time in the early 2000s. We didn't have, we had LimeWire, which could barely <laughs> give us the music correctly. So this was the best way to experience like these playlists almost is like what Spotify and Apple Music does now. They create these obviously uh, amazing playlists, but we didn't have anything close to that back then. We didn't really have the ability to make our own on iTunes or anything. So uh, we got our playlist through uh, sports games and curated by EA. Yeah, it was. These are like the type of games that people would have on at friends' houses or at parties. Like you just have it on max volume, and you, people could be playing the game, having fun, while the rest of the room is having fun listening to the music. So it's an all-around really good entertainment package, I suppose. Like it's got good gameplay, good, fairly good graphics all around, good soundtrack. All of these games rate somewhat similarly. They're all around an eight out of ten. NBA Live ticks up to an eight point five out of ten. I think or NBA Live two thousand four ticks up to about an eight point five out of ten. Uh, all the other ones are pretty consistent. Uh, Brian, Harrison, do you guys have any sort of insight as to like what makes these games stand out from each other? Because from an outsider like myself, they all look pretty damn similar. Yeah, they are similar. <laughs> In fact, they're all... <laughs> they're all good. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they try to, you know, market like they have extra moves for people. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> feels like they sell you the same stuff over and over again a little bit <laughs> sure but that but, but we were oblivious to it at the time too i would say the the big thing for me was 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 nba live 2005 um mm-hmm. i think it played a little better from my understanding um like you could definitely tell the difference when you're playing with like um you know someone like mike bibby versus you know yao ming you could definitely tell like like they would run around differently they'd play differently um, but the big thing was uh, the All-Star Weekend, where you had, like, the dunk contest. I think that was one of the first games that had it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but they had, like, the All-Star Weekend. They had the three-point uh, shootout with it. Obviously, mm-hmm. dunk contest, the rookie challenge, the All-Star game, um, which was really cool. And then in Dynasty mode, it was similar to Madden 05, where you control a franchise. You have it for for so many years. You have literally like a BlackBerry, or I think they called it something else at the time, um, where you're literally talking with with the team owner, um, agents, you know, talking about players like upset with their salaries and whatnot. 
And you could also unlock some really, really cool stuff in, in 05 as well, too. Hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, like, we've talked about this many times now in all the sports games, the fact that, like, 2005 seems to be the year, Neil, yeah. that, uh, that, that sports games peaked just in general. We have FIFA 05, 06, both those games fantastic, NHL 04 and 05, those are always considered the best games for NHL. Uh, we have Madden 05 and 06, great games like Harrison just said, uh, and MVP Baseball 2005, my personal favorite because I got to charge the mound, uh, of course, <laughs> as Manny Ramirez. So, uh, that, like, just these games are so good, and EA just kind of found that perfect formula uh, it's funny because we keep praising EA. We just praise them for uh, the Def Jam episode that Brian was on. And I feel so weird now to say that. Be like, wow, EA doing like good things and forward thinking things in 2005. Like who would have thunk it? But yeah, it did happen. They were very good. Yeah, we come from a different time. They were putting out good shooters and good sports games all at the same time. They had spinoffs as well. They were doing SSX and they had their EA Sports Bigs and all that. Like they, Big. We really do come from a different time. And it's hard to explain to people that like they weren't always the worst company in the world. I can see a definite turn though, Mike, and it was in 2006 when they decided to drop the 2000 moniker from their games and they just call it <laughs> NBA Live 06. That was the turning point. People got tired of saying 2000 and right around 2005. That was the uh, that was the turning point, it seems, in, uh, as, as, a, as a humanity. That's when we changed. That's when we changed. Um, uh, I got to ask you guys, so obviously uh, going to university with both of you, uh, we got to play uh, the 2K series a lot at our at our house, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to say, where does these NBA games, uh, NBA live games rank comparing it to the 2K games that we played later on in our lives? I mean, 2K is really notable, especially nowadays for their multiplayer. Uh, they mm -hmm. have a My Park system as well as like, you know, uh, every actually uh, EA. Well, actually, it's not just EA, but a lot of the companies have this where uh, they mandate that every game that comes out has to have some kind of like uh, microtransaction element to it and so 2k has actually made a lot of money off of my car uh, my my my, uh, my park and uh doing care uh, car packs and character packs and ea has tried to emulate this as well but uh it, i i personally have never played the uh the online for 2k but it seems like 2k also has uh, let's let's you have the ability of like playing your own guy and you, anyone, correct me if I'm wrong about this one. Someone might might, might will actually meet this later. <laughs> but uh, the the other part of it too is that uh, from my experience in playing 2K11 with Harrison is that it also, if you had internet connection, it also synced with uh, the actual NBA schedule in real life. And so what that meant was like, if, for example, if I don't know, let's say um, LA had you know a four game losing losing streak in real life. If you played that, and if, if you decided to choose, like let's say the Lakers, and they did that in real life, the commentary would actually mention that uh, during your own video game, even though it had nothing to do with the video game whatsoever. So the the, the quality of commentary I thought was higher, and yeah. and yeah, it, it just seemed like their multiplayer and their microtransaction stuff uh, actually ended up taking off faster. And sometimes it's it's also just a race uh, between who gets it, and because ultimately a player. A player base, an NBA, let's say an NBA player base, isn't going to want to play uh, both at the same time because that's just a lot of money. And uh, it seems like a lot of people invested themselves in 2K. I think 2K we just ended up just being the first one. They, they just won the race for the multiplayer market. So, Yeah, definitely the, the NBA Live series definitely has that nostalgic feel to it. Growing up when you're a kid watching all those players actually 
playing in the game is is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And again, it was definitely the stepping stone until or the stepping stone uh, for how I got into certain you know NBA teams, players, etc. Uh, the 2K series uh, is great for again, it's it's more realistic. But as you know, time passed, more video games became more realistic and less arcadey, especially for sports video games. And definitely the online, uh, you know, versus series was great. I remember playing online a few times. It's super competitive. Um, probably not as big as 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 FIFA or or Madden, but probably up there um, in terms of, of popularity. Um, I would say the 2K series I liked a lot because I'd play with Brian and I would beat Brian all the time in <laughs> NBA 2K, whatever year it was. So that's really what matters. I want a little bit sometimes. <laughs> Allegedly. I believe there was one time where I was like, okay, Brian, I'm just going to play as James Harden. I'm just going to shoot with him the entire entire night. And James Harden <laughs> was like broken in that game. And I think I. Yeah, that was that was illegal. <laughs> something stupid oh i see that i love that i love stuff like that though and i like i love the arcadiness of it and i love the when, when players are broken like that but my, my last question to you guys uh would be what happened to nba live like we i mean harrison said it perfectly how this was such a nostalgic series it did so many things well nba live 05 is definitely uh the best basketball game on the console maybe other than the nba street games but um yeah what what happened to this this um series it kind of went weird with the elite stuff in the early or the mid 2010s there i guess and then has kind of fallen off since at some point like maybe neil neil touched on a little bit where it just felt like nothing changes i mean the same thing in 2k the same thing kind of happens now in 2k but 2k has already established itself as far as a multiplayer market and uh, I, I suppose on top of that, nostalgia doesn't really do anything uh, as much as the current the some of the current 2K products. Uh, yeah. One of the other things I will mention that is that if you go on Twitch right now, a lot of people actually do stream my park uh, for 2K. And unfortunately, when it comes to video games nowadays, for better or for worse, if your game isn't streamable, it's generally not going to be as popular, and it's probably not going to make as much money. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of people, a lot of people like watching other people play my park and whether or not or opening packs or. I don't know, getting you know, getting saltering over over their over their <laughs> multiplayer stuff, but it it just seems like NBA tried to also, uh, from what I remember, they tried to go in a different direction at some point and try to go through mobile. Yeah, that was the elite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not a mobile play. I don't play games on my my phone or whatever. I'm assuming that didn't do very well, <laughs> nope. uh, considering 2K is still <laughs> the way it is. So, so no. yeah, uh, I mean, and uh, especially at that point, I think EA also ended up just not having a great like great name eventually down 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 the road and yeah. uh 2k kind of like kind of took a lot of the elements from nba live and made like more made it more realistic and it, it just felt like uh, a much a much more polished product and unfortunately when you have two very similar games at some point one of them is going to win out especially in the sports market and the other one the one that one's not going to do very well Basically, what happened was, I think, like, we talked a little bit about it, how, like, old EA was so cool. What what happened was the seventh generation of consoles was EA, old EA, coming coming to conflict with new EA. Because in the Xbox 360 <laughs> yeah. and PlayStation 3 generation, EA, the developers of like, EA Canada, basically, wanted to completely re redo the entire control system for the their NBA Live series. They wanted to revamp it all, start from scratch, start anew. 
really bring it into the new generation of hardware. But new EA had such quick turnaround times with their games, they had to stick to an 18th month dev cycle. So these developers wanted to re redo everything, but they had to do it within 18 months. So when they put out their demo uh, to show off the new game, it was filled obviously with glitches because the game wasn't complete yet so the game just had bad publicity and then they had to delay it which adds even more bad publicity so that when they finally they were basically doomed to fail at that point and then when they had to cancel another one at that point the series was dead because 2k was eating their lunch for two years so that's pretty much what happened it was just old ea coming up against new new ea sadly yeah that makes sense i mean yeah yeah, I can actually pinpoint the exact moment when NBA Live <laughs> fell. Um, it was when NBA Live 2008 came out and Gilbert Arenas was on the cover. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was just a combination of everything you guys said, right? Like, I think the big thing is, you know, when you have a, another product that is, is similar, but yet has, you know, better features overall, you're going to go with the other product, right? And NBA 2K just, they were able to create a great franchise, a great series, um and again bad publicity with uh with nba elite it was i yep. see i don't even remember what yep. it was called yeah NBA, <laughs> NBA elite. elite 11 like that yeah. definitely you know shot themselves in the foot i guess 2k took the ropes on that one and then just went ahead with it so personally i think it's interesting that we talked both of you were on the football episode uh, if you can believe it that was a hundred episodes ago <laughs> that we did the football episode uh and we talked about how nfl 2k was really big and was actually doing better than EA Sports uh, and uh, their version of the, of, uh, the NFL games. Uh, and because there was that whole thing where 2K made it $30 less than the EA uh, games. Uh, but then EA just bought the license totally for uh, NFL so that no one else could use it. Um, so it's interesting that I always, I wondered, like, like I wonder if... Uh, uh, EA ever tried to just buy the NBA license and and you know maybe they did and they failed and who knows what happened there but uh instead we we got EA just going into decline and yeah making that decision with Elite but uh, uh luckily we do have these lovely games on the GameCube and uh it's been great talking with both of you about these games and about the series and before we let you go we'll start with Brian first uh, do you guys have any uh, last thoughts about uh this series and just NBA games in general um yeah I, I guess the one thing we kind of didn't we kind of glossed over was that a lot of the gear that you could unlock and and it was actually in the game were real products so especially the shoes yeah um for anyone who you know is into basketball culture doesn't know or guess doesn't know anything about basketball culture culture uh your basketball shoes were very marketable and uh especially that's and that's why you have athletes that have you know very specific shoes mm -hmm. and for anyone who wants to trip down memory lane you can actually hit, get i believe and one shoes back in the day oh, that's one uh, and one's now a documentary on Netflix. That's that's what they become. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> about the death of street ball. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, at the time, like uh, for me, I was a big Kobe Bryant fan, and and you know you could get Nikes and 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 whatnot. And he was a Nike athlete, and so mm -hmm. the fact that you could unlock Nikes or, you know, uh, they even had like actual licensed shoes on top of the players. I think one of the I think I think I believe it was NBA Live '04 is when like the first time the Charlotte Bobcats were a thing, and I don't know I don't and as you, I guess I think you guys have mentioned like player licenses uh I, I would assume that somehow the player licenses for the bobcats players was kind of botched in the sense uh i believe the starting point guard for the charlotte bobcats was actually called point guard yes <laughs> so um there's, there's weird things like that uh so if we want to talk about licenses because technically 
every player actually has to sign it off their likeness. Yeah. And I, I, I guess if you, if you don't, then you're just called point guard. So. Well, famously, Michael Jordan wasn't in, in most of the games. Uh, in NBA, we talked about this earlier, but NBA courtside uh, 2002, and actually the first one, Kobe Bryant in NBA courtside for 98. Uh, Michael Jordan was roster player number 98. That was literally his name. I thought you'd find this funny, uh, uh, Brian. Uh, no Michael Jordan and no, no Latrell Spool. Uh, yes. He choked a guy. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yep. <laughs> Uh, all I remember from the Charles Charles well outside of that was the fact that he played the Knicks and he uh, I think they it was the the playoff series used to be best of five and when the Raptors were first in the, were in the playoffs for the very first time it was a best of five against the, the Knicks they got swept by Charles well so <laughs> good for him uh, he didn't choke Vince Carter though unfortunately but uh, <laughs> Harrison your last thoughts on uh, NBA and NBA Live yeah definitely the dynasty mode did it for me. Um, and unlocking everything as well, too, while in, in Dynasty mode as well. Um, one of the other pairs of shoes that you can unlock is the Converse Chuck Taylors. So the, mm. the Chucks that we all um, love to wear, especially at punk rock shows. Right. Um, punk rock. You could unlock them. And I also remember unlocking Larry Bird, and he was also broken. You could literally <laughs> shoot from anywhere on the court, and you'd get it in. Um, but like... Um, like Brian and Mike as well. I'm a big fan of, of, you know, jerseys and logos and what, and learning about like past histories of like each franchise. So you go in, you could unlock not only, you know, people's shoes and whatnot, but you could also unlock, you know, old school jerseys. Like I remember unlocking, um, you know, the LA Clippers um, previous, um, or were they previously relocated, the Buffalo Braves. Mm-hmm. And I remember unlocking their jersey. Like, oh, I didn't know like Buffalo had a team. And then there you go. It's kind of how you start spiraling down and, looking up new players and then you you're like oh why is Clyde Drexler like why is he ranked like this and you can go in and find out it's like oh it's because he doesn't miss either um (laughs) but yeah it's just really cool to go and and not only live the fantasy world of being a owner or I guess a GM of a of an NBA team but a player as well and then also unlocking all of this all this merch yeah, it's uh, it was it was quite the time. NBA Live in the early two thousands. Uh, we will definitely miss it, and maybe one day we'll see new NBA Live. What do you think, Brian? Will we see a new NBA Live ever? I mean, they would have to somehow do something that two K has never done, or maybe have a better multiplayer mode. I'm not really sure. The other thing is that you know people are also creatures of habit, and so if if you're, you know, if you are grew up liking two K there's a probably a low probability you're going to go back to EA, uh, especially given, you know, their reputation at this point as a company. It's true. But maybe, just maybe, we will see Harrison uh, NBA Live 2024 with Gilbert Arenas on the cover. That's what I was going to say. And then you can also unlock guns in the game as well, too. <laughs> you, you, you could possibly unlock the uh, Washington Bullets. <laughs> That's a very... <laughs> app name you know great and also the baltimore bullets as well too beautiful you know let's just let's just get all the bullets unlocked but uh thank you very much uh, both of you harrison and brian for coming on today we really appreciate it had a great time talking with you both about some nba and nba live and uh yeah we'll see you again real soon all right thanks for having me see you later take care guys bye what nice young men what nice young men thank you very much I was going to say Neil. <laughs> Thank you very much, <laughs> Harrison and Brian, for coming on today. We really appreciate you uh, talking about the nostalgia, talking about your memories of these games, uh, these four NBA Live games that came on the GameCube, and just basketball games in general. And 
I, I really liked kind of Harrison's point of how these games are almost like a gateway drug to just so much mm-hmm. more in sp- like the sporting world. And yeah, like they do really get you into sports that you might not have been into before. Uh, like that certainly was for me for obviously golf, but other sports too. I don't think I would be as into baseball and hockey and football and basketball uh, if I didn't play any of these games growing up. Totally. And how like they introduce players from other teams like old past teams teams that are no longer around it's such a good it's almost like having a parent or an uncle in the family that likes sports because like my dad introduces me to old baseball and hockey teams all the time with old banners that he has not everybody has that so it's it's really cool to have this this basketball series or this hockey series that does that for you and it's such a shame that like for a while there like after nba live 2004 there was no michael jordan in any basketball game until nba 2k 11 so for eight straight years or seven straight years they're People knew about Michael Jordan, but you couldn't play as him in a basketball game, which is which is too bad. But, they, you know, they did find ways to incorporate new tech into these games, like Brian said, with the 2K series incorporating stats and things changing based on how teams are playing in real life. I think that that's really cool to have live sports updates in a sports game. That's yes. awesome. Like, that's so cool. You can actually, like, learn about things that are actually happening in real time. I don't know if I'd like that in for interfering with my game, but I think it's kind of cool to, like, plug in NBA or and 2K22 and and here like the, the the stats for the the week or whatever. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah. Like it's 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 just nice to hear news as opposed to just being siloed off into your into the game or whatever. But anyway, let's hit the back of the cases for these four NBA Live games, Mike, and then we'll move on to our closing thoughts. Sounds good. All right, starting with NBA Live 2003. Total player control. Revolutionary EA Sports freestyle control. Sweet crossovers, triple threat moves, post moves and strip steals. String your moves together with the C-Stick. Pull off what you want, when you want it. All with unprecedented two-handed control. Quick play for quick scores and stops. Call plays on the fly to control the game. Run the pick and roll or isolation on offense. Zone or double team on D and much more. Clean the glass with authority. Dominate the boards with one button control. Square up, box out, and own the paint. Take the charge, sacrifice your body, and turn the momentum with the all-new charge button. New EA Sports Tracks, featuring hot music releases from Fabulous, Flip Mode Squad, featuring Busta Rhymes, Just Blaze, Snoop Dogg, and more. So, Mike, that is just the first game uh, that I'm going to be talking about, so we're going to trim that down a little bit with NBA Live 2004. Join the Freestyle Revolution. Features enhanced EA Sports Freestyle Control. 10-man freestyle. Build a powerhouse dynasty. New EA Sports Bio. New All-Star Announcer Team. Play it live. And that's the EA Sports tracks. Then we had NBA Live 2005. EA Sports Freestyle Air. Features. I think it's all the same features, actually. EA Sports Freestyle Air. (laughs) NBA All-Star Weekend. Build the Greatest Dynasty. EA Sports Freestyle Control. 10-man freestyle. Sounds familiar. And then last but not least, we have NBA Live 06. EA Sports Freestyle Superstars. All new EA Sports Freestyle Superstars. Unleash your super team. All new graphics engine. Up-tempo basketball. Reign supreme in dynasty mode. NBA All-Star Weekend. And Mike, that is it for all of the basketball games on the GameCube. We've talked about the NBA Street Series. We've, of course, talked about Disney basketball. Who could forget? And we've now talked about all the the real basketball games, I suppose. Uh, So from the games that we talked about today, are there any games that you suggest picking up or games that you're looking for? I think NBA Live 2005, like that is uh, the that's the best basketball game for the GameCube in terms of realistic basketball games. It's definitely worth the pickup. It's what, $10 you said. 
It's got Carmelo Anthony on the cover yeah, when he was sure. in Denver. Uh, I remember that era when he played with uh, Iverson too. That was fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's just a really solid game. And like we said, 2005, clearly the peak of EA games and uh, and EA Sports. So it's it's a really solid basketball experience with with a lot of just tons of features in it, and um, and it still yeah. has a bit of that arcadey sense of it. NBA Courtside 2002 would be interesting to pick up. I personally think I would want to pick up the N64 versions of these oh. games. I think they might be a little more fun, especially the first one in 98. It's even more wacky and arcadey. <laughs> uh, but but Courtside 2002 wouldn't be bad either. That's interesting, Mike. You don't own an N64. You hate the N64, yet you would pick up those. Those would be the only two N64 games you own. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, how, I have... creeped out would you, how creeped out would you be if you go over to somebody's house and they only owned the two NBA games on N64? Just like wide-eyed, like these are my, <laughs> my NBA games. I need to study you. Why do you own these games? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I think I like the idea of uh, NBA 2K2 just because it is the uh, it's considered one of the best basketball games of all time, according to Metacritic. I think if you're looking for a really good basketball game, like you said, Mike, you can't go wrong with NBA 2005. But uh, I don't know. Like, it seems like that game is also really good. The 2K series, it's had a really good life. Uh, I'm not actually looking to pick it up, but I think if you're looking for a good basketball game, either of those two games are worth picking up. If you can find NCAA College Basketball 2K3 <laughs> yeah. at a good price, I recommend buying it and selling it because you could make a lot of money uh, for a, an okay game. Uh, if you're a GameCube collector, I guess it's one of those games you have to own, and it's an insane collector's item. Honestly, I think like the best move to make for this is just buy NBA Street. Like those games are so yeah. much fun. They're they're really everything you need. They do have the technical like prowess of, of these games as well. They're built off of the engine the same engine that it's EA, mm -hmm. right? So it, and NBA Street Volume 3, of course, like I said at the beginning of the episode, Mario Peach and uh, Luigi. So yeah, they're such fun games to play. They give you everything you kind of want in it. If you are looking for that kind of real sim style game, the 2K games are amazing nowadays. And uh that mm -hmm. kind of leads into our next topic here, Neil. Yeah, the future of basketball games on Nintendo hardware, and I guess current-gen hardware in general. Obviously, we've talked a ton about the NBA 2K series. It's consistently selling like gangbusters. It is releasing on Switch, uh, thanks to 2K, I suppose. It doesn't run best on Switch, <laughs> but they're, they're doing it nonetheless. Yeah. We, we talked a lot about what we'd like to see on Nintendo. I think uh, with the NBA Street series, we'd love to see a Volume 4 come out, which would be awesome, but... What about these kind of simulation sports games, Mike? Do you think do you think there's going to be another NBA Live on Switch? I don't really care either way. I think I think we have we already have the best basketball game. I think we're going to get with uh, NBA 2K. Um, I know Brian said like people are creatures of habit and they'll continue to buy th the same thing over and over again, but we've seen that that's that's not true. Like everybody played PS2 and then everybody switched over to Xbox 360 and then everybody switched over to PS4 and then a lot of people are continuing on PS5, but people will switch. Like if the NBA 2K series goes downhill quick and something else comes and takes yep. its place, gamers will switch over. So do you think that there'll be something like that on Nintendo? I don't think so. It's pretty impossible. I think at this point yeah. that that license is pretty locked in with 2K and the fact that they are just making these good games consistently. What I just like, this is just a broader topic of sports games in general. Now that we're on our last sport game or sports mm -hmm. game episode, it's, isn't it insane that online came and it didn't destroy these franchises and like these series in terms of the annualized uh idea of the series that's what always kind of blows my mind and and as someone who buys these games all the time i buy fifa 20 21 22 i buy well i used to buy the nhl games consistently 
mm-hmm. but the internet and online capability did not kill it. <laughs> it did not because really for a lot of these games and you know we talked with the NBA Live games how the, all four are quite similar they're just small updates uh, to each mm-hmm. one and small features you know that's basically what these games are nowadays too it's yep. it's really just DLC for rosters and uh, Brian was talking about how in uh, 2K like 11 and 12 when we played those in in college uh, the fact that, yeah, like they had the online capability and we used it to kind of have the rosters updated and the schedules updated and stuff like that. It's like, well, mm-hmm. like we're, we seriously have never got to the, the spot where we're just buying the one NBA game and the one NHL game. And it just gets consistently updated forever. I, that's just one thing about society almost. I think that just blows my mind that like we never got past that. We're going to be annualized forever. Oh, we're at that point. We're definitely way past the point where uh, 2K or EA could just put out one game per franchise and make that an annualized update rather than a new game. Yeah, that was like 2007 was probably the point. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mid-seventh generation, they could have done that, definitely. But look at the sales numbers that we've talked about over the... Like, look at FIFA. Look at... We talked about it earlier with NBA 2K. 118 million worldwide sales. It's the 21st best-selling video game franchise of all time. Why would you kill that with with making it just a quick update when you can sell a 90 dollar disc or download every every basketball season every september october like you can you you can keep doing that like once those sales start to dip that's probably when they'll do the update when once it becomes more of a niche genre that'll never happen if it keeps selling console after console top 10 best-selling playstation games every month is always almost always an nba game for the first half of the year every month not on nintendo like people don't buy nintendo consoles for sports games we've seen that uh, on the GameCube generation and the Wii, like basketball games on Wii look terrible. Um, <laughs> and it's it's consistent with the Switch. So yeah. on other consoles, they're selling like crazy. But I think I think you could have like a Nintendo version of these games that is more of just an update. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And maybe make it a bit of a downgraded version. Stop trying to make it be a parallel to the PlayStation and PC and Xbox versions yes. because it's never going to be the same. But Mike, while I'm sitting in my basement here waiting for an NBA game that I can update endlessly on uh, on my Switch at home, so eventually I can play as uh, Bugs Bunny from Space Jam, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 117 of the GameCube is Cool podcast? On episode 117, Neil is Batten Katos and Tales of Symphonia. We're going to be talking about three RPG classics for the GameCube. These are considered some of the best RPG games ever made. Uh, it's pretty crazy. We obviously just talked about a tactical RPG and strategy with uh, with Zaffer and our friend of the show, Matt, uh, a couple weeks ago with Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. So we're going to keep that RPG train rolling. We just got interrupted a little bit by basketball games. Not necessarily. <laughs> kind of RPG. Kind of an RPG. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> kind of a little RPG. And now we're going to keep it rolling with, uh, with those three games. Uh, we have very little affinity or knowledge of them, so we're going to bring on some friends of the show to talk about them. And we're going to be excited to, to learn. Uh, along with you guys, we're going to be learning uh, about these these great games. But uh, until then, Neil. Until then, Mike. That's right, weebs. Come on back next week. We'll be talking about more Fire Emblem. Not Fire Emblem. It's actually going to be Baton Katos and Tales games. More Japanese RPGs or whatever the heck they're supposed to be. Are these RPGs? I guess they are. Yeah. No, really excited to talk about them next week. Going to be a ton of fun. Uh, I always get really nervous around these shows, actually, like the Fantasy Star Online, the Fire Emblem episode, because I don't know a lot about them. But those episodes always end up being some of my favorite because I don't know much about them. And listening to some of our friends talk so passionately about them, I learn so much. And uh, I have like a secondhand love for them after those episodes. Yeah. But 
Yeah, but until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 116 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool. All patrons get the show ad-free and a little early. Thank you so much to everybody over there. Head on over and check out our merch store on tpublic.com. Link to the store is in the episode description. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Gilbert Arenas, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. I don't know if I want to say hi to him. He has guns. and uh, but, huh. um, but I have Babar on my, on my side, so. He has an entire country at his disposal. He has an armada of, uh, of, what's, what do you have an armada of? Is it blimps? Yeah. An armada of blimps. Blimps. That'll take on Gilbert Arenas. Okay, good.
He has an entire country at his disposal. He has an armada of uh of <laughs> what what's what do you have an armada of? Is it blimps? Yeah, <laughs> an armada of blimps. Blimps. That'll take on Gilbert Arenas. Okay, good. <laughs>